Oh. Hey, Melissa. Hey, how's it going? Good. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing good. I've never really used this app before, so how does this work? So I'm going to start off by, you know, introducing you. This is Melissa. She is a friend and a fellow 10X ambassador of mine. She is a guest of mine today on the Real Talk Realtor Show. Today we're going to be talking about both of our neurological medical conditions that we have had to deal with but have turned into advantages and growth both for personal and professional reasons. So, Melissa, tell the listeners exactly what your neurological issue was, what you went through, and how you overcome it. Yeah, so for those that are kind of new to following this um, journey, my name is Melissa Jackson, I'm a motivational speaker, author, and I also do a lot of consulting in the commercial real estate field. And the conditions I have, there's quite a few of them that are unfortunately slash fortunately connected. Um, one of them's Chiari malformation. What that is, is, is when your brain does not fit into your skull. Um, another one that's commonly connected with Chiari malformation is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is where your, your joints and your bones dislocate easily. And then the last one that's connected into all of this is spinal fluid leaks. Um, familiar reference that a lot of people have with spinal fluid leaks is the coach of the Golden State Warriors. I think 2017, he had to get multiple surgeries for spinal fluid leaks. So it's kind of the history of it. And I mean, diving into, you know, how I've overcame it, that's obviously a long, a long journey and a long process to really explain that. But I had 12 surgeries back to back, one of them being brain surgery and had to fight with all of the top neurosurgeons in the United States, um, most of them unfortunately would have done the wrong surgery on me, which would have caused um, fatality. Or what close type to of brain surgery did you have to have? So for a Chiari um, decompression surgery, what they do is they remove um, a part of your skull in the back of your head. And why they do that is because the brain does not fit into the skull. So they're trying to make okay. extra room to avoid the um, brain being pushed into the neck. And then they shave off the scar tissue that has developed on the brain due to um, it beating into your skull every time your heart beats since it does not fit correctly. That's crazy. <laughs> Too much brain to contain, man. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. It was so definitely not enjoyable. What exactly did you go through as far as, I guess you can say, mental and emotional struggle on top of obviously, you know, the physical pain and damage that it caused? Well, uh, men mental wise, it got to the point after, I mean, before the um, brain surgery that I could not remember how to get home um, and literally would get lost on my way home. Um, and then mentally, you know, it's just exhausting because being an entrepreneur with, you know, chronic illness with close to nobody to fall back on the, the mental strength and strain that's already put on somebody struggling with chronic illness sucks, but especially sucks when you're an entrepreneur and you have to show up to get, you know, to earn money, to close deals 24 seven, cause you don't have something to fall back on. And that, you know, process was extremely exhausting it's basically you know being in fight or flight 24 7 because when you feel good you need to make the best of it right i can relate to that now 
at what point did your fiance come along and you kind of have that support to fall um, back on emotionally? Yeah. So financially, well, him and I have been together for about eight years. So we always knew okay. that there was something wrong with me. We just didn't know what the hell it was. So I should re-clarify, you know, I had emotional support to fall back on, but financially I was the breadwinner and still am, you know, so we spent most of our money financially um, on surgeries to keep me alive, especially in 2016. So being the, the, the breadwinner, you know, and us really climbing ourselves into a challenging financial situation to invest on saving my life really put us in a pretty, pretty shitty situation, for lack of a better term. So what you're telling all the male entrepreneurs out there is, is that size doesn't matter unless it's your income. <laughs> <laughs> take notes guys <laughs> you know and uh, in all honesty just to be transparent i mean granted i am the breadwinner but the, the amount of support that you know he had given um was absolutely phenomenal um he'd had to drive all the way from california um for my surgeries back to back and i was on bed rest for most of 2016 and 2017 and, you know, I definitely would not be alive anymore if it was not for his support. So he's definitely taken a lot of, you know, sacrifices to try to help out in this process. Well, good for him. That's definitely the type of person you want to be with. Yeah. How long did it take you to recoup and be, you know, 100%, you know, full optimal performance? after having the surgery? Well, so in 2016, 2017, I had spinal fluid leak surgery. So what those are, I'll just go into depth. So we had brain surgery where they removed my skull, spinal fluid leak surgery. They, the, the top neurosurgeons in the United States wanted to do a second brain surgery. So they had already removed my skull. They already removed the scar tissue. This time they wanted to go in, remove a far larger piece of my skull and then cauterize the back of my brain, which that sounds, I, I hope I don't have to watch my language on your, on your podcast. That sounds no. terrible. Mine to have, real talk yeah. for a reason. <laughs> yeah. To have someone cauterize your brain. Like, are you kidding me? So they wanted to do that surgery. Um, four out of five of the top neurosurgeons in the United States, which would have killed me. And it turned out that um, I actually saved my own life by finding out what was causing it to look like I needed a second brain surgery was I had leaks in my spine that were leaking cerebral spinal fluid that okay. made it look like I need another one. So the surgeries that we had as a whole um, were they keep you awake and they inject a mixture of blood and glue into your spine and they have to keep you awake because you have to tell them when the physical pain gets literally unbearable because if they push just a little bit further past that, they can either paralyze you or kill you on the spot. So I, yeah, so you're like, okay, this is like, you literally have to be awake the entire time. And it's like, okay, this is getting to the point where I feel like it's going to kill me. And then they finally stop. So I had countless of those. I think I had 12 of those all together and they wanted to do five more on me to try to fix the remaining issues. But the challenge was, is the last one they wanted to fix the last leak in my spine was in a very high probability area where it had a lot higher chance of fatality. So what I started doing is I started, 
you know, implementing one small habit a week for over a year, one small change a week, because I'd always want to fix my life radically, right? I'd always want to turn my life around. I'd always want to go into work, you know, and work 12 hours or, you know, right. my house was a mess because I was bedridden all the time. I'd want to clean my whole house that I get halfway done with it. And I would just be fucked up. I wouldn't be able to move. So it took me a year of implementing one small habit a week to be able to get where I'm at in my life now. And it's, it's been a long journey, man. I wish it didn't take me so damn long, but it seems, yeah, it seems like things are finally going. What were those small habits? Were they, you know, writing something down every morning or were they like daily tasks that everyone obviously has to practice that you had to relearn? So, they were all different ones. So, um, you know, it started off my very first habit and I don't advise the listeners of this to do this consult your doctor, but my very first habit that started all of this shit was I was just done with doctors. I was done with masking the pain. I understood that in order for me to fix this pain, I needed to stop masking it. So the very first one was flushing all my prescriptions down the toilet. And for that week, my number one goal was to not take any prescription pills, not to go get my prescriptions refilled at all. Um, and they all branched out. You know, I, I, um, I obviously struggled with a lot of pain, so I sleep in a lot. You know, one habit that I implemented was waking up at five o'clock in the morning, no snooze button. My only job was to not go back to sleep. Um, it transitioned into reading every single day, journaling every single day, writing down my wins every single day. Every week I had a new habit that I slowly rebuilt everything week by week. I can actually relate to the sleeping in part. And one of the things that I did to kind of make my alarm clock on the phone go, you know, extinct and not needed was, and not everybody has this option because of the placing of the windows, but the yeah. foot of my bed actually faces two windows in my master bedroom that, are very huge because it's a home that was built in 1905. So they're mm. very broad and gaudy almost. <laughs> so I removed the blinds and the curtains before going to bed. That way the natural sunlight would wake me up as opposed to an alarm. So yeah. whether, you know, we're in a phase like we are now where it comes up later or during summertime where it comes up at like four in the morning, you know, yeah. I would wake up when the sun came up, so I wasn't losing any hours. Nice. Like it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, sleeping in was like the brutal one for me, man. Like, sleeping in was the biggest challenge as a whole to not really... Like when you wake up in the morning, that's how you shape your entire day. And when you wake up, as you probably know, in chronic pain and you're battling your body and the whole thing's swollen, a lot of the times the only peace of mind you get is when you're asleep, when things don't hurt for a second. But every single every single day you wake up, you get to decide how the rest of your day is going to go. And waking up early, now I wake up naturally at four o'clock in the morning every day. And I never in a million years imagined that happening. Right. And like for me, so mine, I have what is a very rare type of epilepsy called clonic tonic. Mm. So I'm sure as you know, from doing your own research for yourself, you know, clonic is 
the most rare type of epilepsy. And then, so mine is a combination of that and tonic epilepsy. And so most people have a seizure because their brain is either overstimulated and overfiring electrons from the receptors or it's underactive and their brain isn't functioning the way it should for it to not have a seizure because it's overly lethargic. Mm. Right. So it's kind of like a battery when it dies, it starts to flicker in the receptor area. And that's what causes the seizure because the brain doesn't have the stimulation that it needs to run. It's like a dying battery wow. in a sense. So I have to teeter a invisible non-existent line of staying stimulated as well as being, I wouldn't say sedated as much as controlled in a sense. Yeah. So I can't be overstimulated, but I can't be, you know, too relaxed. Yeah, that sounds like a difficult balance, man. Are you still there? Hello. Tyler, are you still there? <laughs> 